Welcome back, Little Joe's Conservative Corner. I think America's like a sleeping giant, and I think it's beginning to wake up, and I want to help with the awakening so that it survives. All creepily got your friggin' nose all up in everybody's hair. Now, I personally don't like him. I think the guy's a complete moron. Now's the time to stand up for yourself and stand up for what you believe in. You don't go from a bartender to a congresswoman. It's just so dumb. <laughs> Gentlewoman from Texas is recognized for five minutes. I thank the gentleman for yielding. I rise to oppose the previous question so that we can immediately consider H.R. 471, Representative Yvette Harold's bill to enforce Title 42 at the border. As a Mexican-born legal immigrant, Border Patrol wife and a mother, I know firsthand how out of control our border crisis is. Our South Texas communities are hurting because of this crisis and our people feel totally ignored by our government. Dangerous drugs are pouring across the border. 80% of the fentanyl killing Americans comes into our country at the southern border. Human trafficking are taking advantage of our open border to conduct their evil and heartbreaking trade. Criminal organizations are in total control of our southern border. Last month alone, 240,000 illegal immigrants were encountered entering our country, a new record. And those are just the people who were caught. The true number is undoubtedly far higher. And in 2022, so far, 50 people on the FBI terror watch list have been arrested by the Border Patrol. That's higher than the previous five years combined. Title 42 is one of the only things keeping the crisis at the border from getting even worse. All right, welcome back. Uh, I'm not going to start there. We'll get to it in a minute. What I would like to start with is Thursday morning. A lot of liberals and Democrats got uh, butt hurt because of the ruling that came out of the Supreme Court, 6-3, to three, protecting our Second Amendment and constitutional rights. New York had has had for about a century very restrictive uh, concealed carry permit uh, re requirements. You have to prove uh, to walk around with a gun there, even if you have it concealed, that you're in some type of danger. Of course, naturally, that would exclude anybody who's in a position of power or anybody that they say requires the people around them to have guns. I don't know how you wouldn't need a gun with the amount of crime that's in that city. You would think that it would be a simple thing saying, uh, the city's completely out of control, unsafe, and crime is on a rampant, so that's why I want to carry. What other reason do I need more than that? But apparently you did. Uh, they struck the uh, ruling down, New York, I mean the uh, um, law down. So now New York is uh, like everywhere else. If you have a concealed weapon, as far as right now, you are allowed to carry it unless New York tries to go in uh, some other radical direction and stops you from carrying again, in which case I'm sure this will end up back in the Supreme Court once again. But great day for the Second Amendment. You know, if you are a law-abiding citizen and you own a firearm, you've gone through the federal background check and you've gone a step even further by going and acquiring your concealed weapons permit, giving up even more information, 
Um, and now you are legitimately trained. It's signed off that you've been trained with a firearm. I mean, you've, you've gone that additional step. You've paid your fees. Uh, you should be able to carry that gun wherever you want. Yeah, you leave your house to make sure that you're safe. You know, uh, what uh, Clarence Thomas more or less said is that, you know, the Second Amendment doesn't guarantee you just to be safe in your home. If you're a law-abiding citizen, it guarantees that you're safe anywhere. So, yes, you're allowed to take your gun with you. So it was a good day for people that are people that believe in the Constitution and a bad day for the people that keep trying to chip away at our gun laws uh, and work their way around them as much as they can to restrict them as much as they can, stripping us of that constitutional right, ultimately uh, with the hope that one day they can get rid of it altogether. I know the Supreme Court is scheduled to issue more rulings today, depending on when you listen to this. This comes out at 3 a.m. Thursday night uh, slash Friday morning. So obviously this is pre-recorded. If you're hearing it early in the morning, you have yet to see if any rulings come out. If you're catching me later in the day, they may have already come out, uh, and we'll see. I'm still waiting on Ro- the you know the bigger ones, Roe v. Wade, uh, coaches praying on the field, and see where they go with all that. Uh, I anticipate that uh, – I'd hate to say we are going to win, but we are going to win. Freedom is going to win. The Constitution is going to win, uh, that these people have overstepped their boundaries. Um, I anticipate that we're going to have a good day when those rulings come out, and – more or less the liberals, the radicals, and the Dems' heads are going to burst. All right, going back to the border. Mark Morgan was talking with John Solomon, uh, and he is more or less warning. He was a uh, Trump border security chief. He's warning that the planning for the next terrorist attack on American soil may already be underway uh, as Republican senators are exposing how traditional criminal organizations are benefiting from Biden's open border policy. Uh, As you heard the uh, young lady there say, we have had more known terrorists that we have caught crossing the open border this year than in the last five combined. We've had 50 that we have caught. Since the Biden administration took over, Uh, In January of 20, from, excuse me, from January of 2021, we have had over 2.6 million migrants trying to enter the United States illegally from Mexico. Um, 2.6 million encounters, and then there's an additional approximate 800,000 gotaways, which are migrants who have evaded capture by law enforcement there on the border and came into the country illegally. These are who we have caught, once again, who we know about. Imagine 800,000 people, 2.6 million, 800,000 get away, 2.6 million come in. Imagine how many terrorists there potentially can be on American soil today plotting another attack from inside to destroy more Americans, their lives, their families. We just don't know. But because Biden wants open borders and they have this open border fantasy where people could come and go as they please, this is what we're stuck with. It's really kind of treasonous because if you are the president of the United States, you are charged with protecting the people of the United States. Open borders and just seeing that we've already captured 50 potential terrorists 
your our interests are not being served by you. So it's treasonous. You're not taking care of us. You're actually inviting the enemy inside. So I don't, you know, in in a sane world, most people would be calling for him to resign or his removal. But in the world we live in today, unfortunately, uh, yeah, people are either just too scared to say something. You know, people are scared to be called a racist. Now, what I'm saying, if you think it's racist, then maybe it's because you're a racist. I don't know. But wanting to have people checked at the border, verified who they are, make sure all their ducks are in a row before they come into the United States. So once they are here, uh, everybody knows who they are. You're in the system just like everybody else. You're paying taxes just like everybody else. Then most of us are like, welcome, come on down. You know, now you're going to contribute to society just like the rest of us. And you're going to be held accountable just like the rest of us. Our problem lies with the left just wants this open border policy where people just come and go as they please. And it doesn't matter who you are. doesn't matter what your name is. They don't care. Just come on down because all they're looking for is a vote. This is, you know, they don't, they don't, what they're doing with the border. You're not helping these people. You're, put, you're bringing these people into a tough situation. They're in a country they don't know, for the most part, with language, uh, language that they don't speak. Uh, and they have to figure it out and find their way in here. They don't, housing's no good. Uh, they're always nervous and scared, if they, especially if they came across illegally because they're worried about being deported all the time or having ICE pick them up. You're not doing these people any favors. You're actually making their life much harder than it needs to be. But if you get them in here legally, they have nothing to worry about. You're not getting deported. They're not going to kick you out of the country. They can actually help set you up better. You can legally work for somebody, which means your earnings will be better. So I don't want to hear this crap that it's racist just because you want a border secure and you want to know who's coming coming across the border. I think it's more racist to just try to hoard people in to get their votes. Because that's what this all boils down to is the Democratic Party just wants their votes. They feel like if we look like the nice guys and we just let you in the country, then you'll vote for us. <laughs> I mean, that's, that's as simple as it is. That's their big scheme and big plot with all of this nonsense at the border. Our border is a disaster. Uh, it's not going to get any better anytime soon. I mean, the reality that we are living in, I, you should expect to be living in this reality uh, at least for the foreseeable, probably into 2024 when we change hands. And then once we change hands, um, you know, and for as far as the presidency is concerned, it's going to take even a little bit after that to really start to straighten things out. So we're going to be dealing with this for quite some time. I just hope we don't lose the country in the process. Uh, going back to the, uh, to the Supreme Court, uh, Bill Cassidy unveiled new legislation Thursday that would hold future Supreme Court leakers accountable with a $10,000 fine and 10 years in prison for releasing information about pending decisions in a response to last month's uh, unprecedented leak about the draft opinion on Roe versus Wade, which ultimately ended up inspiring a lunatic out of California to try to kill Brett Kavanaugh. Uh, you know, Bill Cassidy, good intentions, I guess, there. The thing is, is what about the one that leaked the opinion this time? We're just going to let that one get away with it. You're going to get a freebie on that because 
they leaked this one with a very uh, specific, for a very specific reason, which was to uh, incite people to intimidate these judges to change their decision if that's what was actually going to come out. So I think that this person should be held accountable one way or the other. I don't think we should wait until the next time around. There has to be, uh, there has to be some law that's already on the books that will hold this person accountable and they do some time for what they did or they get stripped of whatever they are and they are no longer to work at the Supreme Court, period. You know, there, there needs to be something done, something more than nothing, and waiting till the next time around, although, like I said, I, you know, I guess it's a nice sentiment, but it, something needs to be done this time around. You know, we can't afford to wait till the next time around because this is intimidation of a Supreme Court justice. And if nothing is done this time, I can assure you this is going to happen over and over now going forward, and it's going to get more and more dangerous for these judges, and it will alter their opinions uh, in the future. So something really needs to happen to that person. All right, now, I am big on history. I do like history. I enjoy it. I am also the kind of person that if I am wrong on something, I'm more than happy to admit uh, that I was wrong. Now, I told you that there was a letter (laughs) to uh, Benjamin Franklin, and my memory obviously was not serving me correctly. I started digging and digging, and I was going through my history books, and my my wife's looking at me yesterday, and she's like, what the hell are you doing? And I said, Benjamin Franklin, Benjamin Franklin. He got that letter, you know, separation of church and state, and I'm going and I'm, I'm sitting there and I'm tearing through all my history books and I, uh, I collect old books. That's something that I like to do. I, uh, old history books, uh, the information is much more solid in. Information starts changing in the 60s. I can show, I mean, if, if I met you or saw you in person, I could pull out history books to show you how they slightly begin to alter things. Uh, I don't really trust anything past the late 70s, early 80s, because ever since the Board of Education came into place, things have been changing rapidly uh, year after year. You're always getting new textbooks. And all it really takes is to leave something out here, change a little bit of wording there, and the entire meaning is up in smoke or what happened is completely different now. Anyways, I'm going through all the books and I was literally, if I had any hair, I'd be pulling it out. But if you see my videos, you know I'm bald. So if I had any hair, I'd pull it out. And then I stopped for a second and I was sitting on a chair and I looked forward and I was like, you are a more Ron. It was not, (laughs) it was not Franklin. It was Jefferson. And once I did that, I grabbed my book on Jefferson and there it was. As quickly I knew about where it was going to be in the book, I peeled right to the section that I knew it was going to be in and Lord and behold, (laughs) there it is. So separation of church and state. All right. Thomas Jefferson became president in 1801, which I would hope most people know that. Uh, however, <laughs> yeah, you know what? I'll, I'll give most people a free pass. These are things that you don't use day to day. So you probably learn them in grade school and you just happen to forget about them unless you uh, 
uh, are writing a book, uh, you're a history buff, uh, you work in something that has to do with history, so or you just don't care. But uh, I'll give most people a free pass. But became president in 1801. He received a lot of uh, you know letters of praise and congratulations at the time, especially from a Baptist group. Uh, Baptist group. The Baptist at the time was not your main religion in the United States. Uh, the Angelic Church was your main uh, religious group in the United States. Baptists were at a minority. Um, so they had some concerns. They end up congratulating Jefferson. They end up sending him a letter. I'm going to read you their letter, uh, and then I'll – but these are, these are short, so don't, don't get, uh, <laughs> get scared. I'm going to read this big, long thing here. Um, Our sentiments are uniformly on the side of religious liberty – that religion is at all times a place and a matter between God and an individual, that no man ought suffer in name, person, or effects on account of his religion uh, or religious opinion, excuse me, that the legitimate power of the civil government extends no further than to punish the man who works ill to his neighbor. But, sir... Our constitution of government is not specific. What religious privileges we enjoy as a minor part of the state, we enjoy as favors granted and not as inalienable rights. Now, you can tell just by their letter, Baptists, like I said, they were the minority group, except for Rhode Island, actually. Um, But they were the minority group at the time. Uh, And their concern was that although the constitution... um, states you know freedom of religion they were still concerned that their state constitutions because each state has its own state constitution does not protect their religious freedoms so jefferson did reply back to them in 1802 uh, and what in his letter he says believing with you that religion is a matter which lies solely between man and his god that he owes account to none other uh, for his faith or his worship, that the legitimate power of government reach actions only and not opinions, I contemplate with sovereign reverence that the act of the whole American people which declared their legislature should make no law respecting and establishment of religion or prohibiting the free exercise therefore, that's your First Amendment, if you were just wondering. Uh, thus building a wall of separation between church and state, adhering to this expression of the supreme will of the nation in behalf of the rights of conscience, I shall see with sincere satisfaction the progress of those sediments which tend to restore to man all his natural lights, rights Excuse me, conceived he has no natural right in opposition to his social duties. Uh, I reciprocate your kind prayers for the protections and blessings of the common father and creator of man and tender you for yourselves and your religious association assurance of my high respect and esteem. All right, so now Jefferson's explanation in his note, which I know I'm reading a little bit off, but they don't really talk the way we do do now. They were much, much more proper than we are now. Uh, So reading it's a little bit off. It doesn't roll off your tongue because, uh, you know, it's a little bit different. 
Uh, but Jefferson's explanation using the restrictive language, building a wall of separation between church and state, just merely reflected uh, the founders' understanding that the two important religious clauses that they had placed in the First Amendment, first, the federal government may not create an official state religion, and secondly, the government may not restrict religious beliefs or actions. How those two read in the Constitution is an establishment of religion, and the second one is prohibiting the free exercise, therefore. So nowhere, listen to what we just read now, nowhere did it say that government is separate from God at all. Nowhere did he say that in his letter that they are separate. His meaning in that statement was just that we will not impede on your religious rights and we, the government, will not be making it a one religious uh, order. In England, back in that time, you had to follow a particular religion. And when the founders came over here, they wanted the free expression of religion to worship as you see. In England, it was much different. It wasn't for God and country. It was for king first and then God and then country. So uh, his statement there has been warped terribly by radical groups uh, like the uh, ACLU, the American Human uh, Humanist Association, the American Atheists. They, they take these words and twist them to benefit them. But if you actually know history, if you read history, study history, if you just go back and look up your history, you will find, just like I just showed you, that many things that they hang their hat on are taken out of context and used to their benefit. So there was never meant to be an actual separation of church and state other than the government stays the hell out of how you worship uh, your God. That's it. Doesn't say that the government can't worship God. Uh, I forget what year was up till. That's something I'd have to go back and look at. But in, in the founding years of this country, and it went on for probably over 100 years, uh, I'm almost 100% sure it went on over 100 years, the President of the United States at certain times would call for days of fasting and prayer. So there was never a separation they just want it that way. It's convenient for them to separate God because this way it's easier to legislate that way, that they can, they can shield themselves, that they take God out of the mix, that they don't need him in there, and that benefits their cause. So don't drink the Kool-Aid all the time and believe every little thing that you hear because it's not always what they say it is. You know, a good rule of thumb, question everything. Even if you're wrong, question it. And make them prove to you that you are wrong. Go look it up, look for it, look it up, and prove yourself wrong, and then find the truth. It's a good rule of thumb. So don't just take everything you you uh, that they do blindly. And oh yeah, well it's you know Thomas Jefferson said separation of church and state. Well yeah, when you take it out of context and just use that one line, sure they can bend and twist that any way they want. But if you put it back into context and you read the letter as I just did for you, you see that is has it, the intention there was nothing like what they're trying to sell you. So. Uh, good rule of thumb, like I said, always look things up for yourself. Don't just take somebody else's word for it. Don't just take my word for it. Look it up for yourself, and you will find the truth, and you'll be better for it. I promise you. All right.
It's Friday. And as uh, we do every Friday, I'm going to give you a fun fat fact. But don't worry, fatties. I am on your side today. I'm actually on your side all the time because I'm fat, but I'm actually on your side today. Here we go. All you thinner people or health nuts or just average-sized people, when you go to a bagel shop in the morning with your homies and you walk in and your fat buddy, <clears throat> like myself, goes up to the counter and asks for a large coffee, cream, and sugar, and then asks for a plain bagel with cream cheese for breakfast, don't grab them on the arm and say, hey man, hey man, you sure you should be eating a bagel? It's got all them carbs in it. As you're staring at the uh, cashier, and she's staring back at you, and then she glances at him as if, like, we need a three-way approval for me to buy a friggin' bagel, okay? That's when your buddy, you look to him, at, at least in my case, at six foot four, 400 pounds, and I probably don't look real friendly. And then they're like, I'm just looking out for you. And then you look back at the cashier and don't say anything. And then they just, oh, uh, yeah, uh, that'll be uh, $4.97. And you slide your card. And as you walk away with your buddy who felt that it was necessary to have that moment with you there at the cashier, you ask them, when did you get your uh, degree in nutrition, homie? Okay. And uh, what do you, why are you worried about what I'm eating? Why don't you worry about what you're eating? Because I didn't ask you for your help with what I'm eating. And I don't think me buying a bagel with cream cheese and a cup of coffee in the morning is the worst thing in the world to eat in the first place. But why don't you stay off in your lane and I'll stay off in my fat lane because believe me, I know skinny people that were fat, but it doesn't mean that we're dumb. You think I don't understand and know that a bagel has carbs in it? Come on, people. Of course I know it's got carbs in it. That's why it's so damn good. And that's just what I want to eat in the morning. So that's what I have. So for all my fellow fatties, if you got a little uh, friend that always feels like they need to jump in and warn you about what you eat, just know you are perfectly within your right to turn around and give them a little piece of your mind calmly but a little piece of your mind and tell them to worry about themselves and not to worry about you <laughs> that's my fun fat fact leave the fatties alone if they're going to be fat they're going to be fat <laughs> it's just what it is <laughs> it's friday and nothing else to it have a beautiful weekend we will do it again on monday